Narrating the Nation was a two-day international conference organised between NCAD and the National Museum of Ireland in Dublin recently, gathering curators, critics and academics from around the world. They met to think about the role of the museum in a world increasingly driven to own up to the real forces that shape what's collected and what's seen. One of the speakers who came to Dublin was Clémentine Delis, Global Humanities Professor of the History of Art at the University of Cambridge. She explores the borders of curatorial and contemporary art practice and was previously director of the Weltkulturen Museum in Frankfurt, where she instituted a transdisciplinary lab and began to create a post-ethnographic museum, as she told Culture Files' Louise Williams. I coined the term, is a bit, a bit excessive to say, but I started speaking about the post-ethnographic when I took over a museum in Germany in 2010. And I knew that it had a, an important collection from around the world, including a contemporary art collection from Africa in particular. And that uh, even though I had studied anthropology, that really we were moving into a, a, a period in time where the ethnographic, this kind of focus on the, on the ethnos, on the logic of ethnicity, was no longer really a good idea. You have this inquisitive intellectual mind that asks questions and analyzes and you took this job in a big institution with an immense collection, much of it with very sort of dubious origins and you talked about a kind of a pattern of violence over some of the artefacts. Was it a fit that you knew was going to be challenging? Well, first I have to correct you. It wasn't a big institution with a huge collection. It was one of maybe 20 ethnological museums in Germany. They're all over the place. Every main town has its own ethnological museum. They had a lot to do with the anthropology of trade, teaching traders in Germany how, how to negotiate other cultures. And I knew that the collection, you know, that were about 70,000 objects in there. And I knew that there was a lot of media, a lot of photography and video and film. But I also knew that I would change it. I mean, I, I couldn't come in and pretend to be a German anthropologist. I didn't even study in Germany. And anthropology, like art history too, it has its own schools of thought, its own institutes, its own paradigms. So I was told that I was the ninth director of this museum and I believed at the time that they expected from me to bring a new approach, a new model, a new paradigm. And that's what I tried to do. When I got there, first of all, the museum was in three villas, 19th century villas. I knew that I wanted to restore the original nature of this place, which were, was to be domestic. It made sense to have residencies where people could live. It made sense to cook in the museum. I wanted to provide a, a location, which could have called it a workshop as well, where ideas would be developed and for vulnerability in many ways, the vul vulnerability of the, of the different artifacts that don't even have authorship, wasn't written down at the time, um, that were often taken in, in extremely violent circumstances, and to negotiate new meanings around them and also to bring people in who were actually very, very interested in working with these artifacts and doing it on site. I could have, of course, got people to come, take photographs, go back to their studios or to their apartments and work on something and then deliver the result. But that was less interesting than saying, OK, a museum can also be about production. You mentioned something this evening which I thought was interesting. You 
the people who had residencies 24-hour access to the objects that they wanted to look at, no monitoring and no mediation through a, a curator. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, why would we think that somebody would destroy anything, right? I mean, it's uh, it's absurd, right? So for me, this, this question of, of having faith in the guests uh, was really important and making sure that they were happy they weren't in some horrible cubbyhole of a hotel and then coming to do research, but that they could actually... It was nourishing in all respects. And talking of nourishing, then you had an abrupt departure from, from that museum, but it led to a different idea around museums, which you and you call it the metabolic museum? Well, I've always been interested in, in the idea of the organ, not necessarily a bodily organ or a bodily function, but the idea that as a curator you develop a platform that is necessary, that is vital. And an organ is vital, clearly. If you remove an organ, then your body's not working. Uh, so whether it's publishing organs or the idea that the collection could be a series of organs, the, the matter of black lives, to put it in more contemporary language I find very compelling and to kind of try and match the body of the public the body of the visitor our bodies with a body of a collection I mean it's actually a language that is used one speaks of the corpus of a collection the corpus of an institution and so the possibility of changing the space of changing our behavior within the museum of introducing tables wherever I could recognizing the fragility of the collection and of its interpretations. That was really why I began to think of the metabolic. I was also curious about the relationship between this kind of acquisition of materials from other cultures and the organ trade. I mean, you know, the safari hunters and the organ hunters. There's not a lot of difference between it. It's, it's a strange analogy, I admit, but there's something there that led me then to work on the museum as a, a location that, that was fragile, that was like bodies that haven't been looked after properly and given back to where they belong. I'm not going to let you go without asking you about your suit that you're wearing this evening. It's pinstripe and you have embroidery on the sleeve, on the lapel. I, I need to know the story because there, there has to be a story behind it. Yeah, right? that, well, it's very I, elegant. Thank you. Uh, it's a suit made by the, the designers uh, Pam or Perks and Mini. And they worked with me in the museum and they were part of a project I did called Trading Style because I realized that the museum had an inordinate amount of clothes and shoes and hats and bags and that these were actually sometimes the oldest artifacts in the museum. And I decided to invite different designers to work with the museum's artifacts. Um, one designer from Nigeria called Buki Akib and then Perks and Mini did an entire collection based on the, the, what they gleaned from the museum and its collections, but they were never allowed to put a hat on their head or wear any clothes, so they worked mainly with photography. So the suit is a design they did two years ago, and the jewellery is by a designer called Gabi Chuba in Berlin, and it's a brooch made out of euros, uh, silver euros and silver 20 pence pieces, so it's my anti-Brexit badge. <laughs> Clémentine Delis there talking to Louise Williams at the recent Narrating the Nation conference, to which we'll return next week.